This is for the nerds, this is for the brainiacs, this is what we deserve. Go ahead and play it back, you ain't gonna touch me, you not gonna do nothing, you are not above me, I bet you wish you was me, I know it, I know. My eardrums. Did you see the way he geared up for it? He like froze in a position. Can y'all shut the fuck up? <laughs> <laughs> fuck's wrong with you guys can't you see i'm trying to work here and welcome back to another special episode of the only friends podcast well, you know i'm here with my only friends wow and that includes nobody in this room except for my boy tj what's poppin tj <laughs> what's going on <laughs> shit shit just chilling chilling do you have any special friends like Conrad back in Jersey? <laughs> yeah, there's a few of them. Yeah. Yeah. There's people like him in Jersey for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah, you know, yeah. some time there. Jersey mm-hmm. Eddie, you just take him to the deli, give yeah. him a sandwich, and hope that he's good for the week. The bodega. the bodega, yeah. Get Frankie a hokey. Uh. <laughs> oh, man. Conrad, that was, that was one of your, your best ones yet. I right? know. Mm-hmm. I feel honored. You should. You yeah. should. Uh, that was it's, artful. Thank you, Conrad. I, no, absolutely. He no. passed on the tortuga bit for you. Specifically, yeah. we appreciate that. That's fine. I'm tired. <laughs> uh, it's been a long week. It has long been a week. long week. A couple more days. These 12 hours. Listen, days. you okay. don't even need to think about that. Today, we're gearing up for the uh, WSOP. We are. Wait, That's I, right. Let's I, go. No, I have a, fire I, me up. I have something to fight about. Okay. Who approved the academy going from three days to four days? This was a hunt decision, but yeah, but. He is handling it. Uh, he's, on it. Uh, he's, he's on, on it. He's, he's definitely on it. He's like Burke, M- MVP Burke's, for Burke's sure. barely there. I yeah. know. Berkey, he stops in, and then he sits there on his phone, and yeah. then he comes back upstairs. Yeah. I keep texting him. I'm like, I'm like, I have a course to build. Is it okay if I leave? He goes, go. You don't know anything about tournaments. <laughs> <laughs> What's nice about that is the, the podcast starts on time, and the thumbnail's done, and everything. Sure, you know? yeah. Yeah, he's just out, doing like, everything yeah. he can up here. Got lesson two of the game plan built today <laughs> filmed and recorded you know yeah. we're just moving right along here yeah. that's sweet, that's the sweet. thing is that like hunt he, you're right you, he does know a lot more about tournaments than you yeah Burke's down there asking questions like he's a student it's it's, uh, it's amazing I he mean, did say he honestly, was basically no, sitting there to listen, learn listen he is learning I'm, I'm telling you right now it's probably down to like 34 to 1 for, for a bracelet bet I, I actually uh, I consulted with a mathematician a man who's very good at what he does, mm-hmm. and uh, we've arrived that 35 to 1 was not fair price. I didn't realize that. I genuinely thought it was about a fair price. I'm in the 25 to 1 range now. Oh, so you really? got me, Twitter. You got me. You're getting a discount. 25 Anyone to 1. Anyone wants to lay 25 to 1, that's the new price. Fresh off the Matt Hunt Tournament Academy. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, I've only been here about 20% of the time, but yeah, yeah, yeah I've learned mm-hmm. some things. Yeah. Risk premiums. What do you know about risk advantage? <laughs> you do know about risk premiums. That's true. You didn't know about risk advantage. That is true. Well, yeah. I mean, I only applied them to bounties, so you know, I learned something new every day. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that you get the yellow. But we are prepping for the WSOP, and in that prep comes a lot of food mm. and nutrition. So we thought we'd bring in an expert, a man who used to come here to grind, play these down bad tournaments, be oh, yeah. miserable by week three, and now he's here to feed you. Because All American Dave is no longer with us. Right. R.I.P. Passed away. R.I.P. 
<laughs> or go to. Uh, a little inside joke. Somebody asked where Christian was in the chat the other day. And Melissa just replied, he passed away. <laughs> like, what do you think he is? He's probably at his house. Put him on a t-shirt. Yeah, that's true. We should get R.I.P. Chin t-shirts. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, man. Yeah, like the biggie shirts. Uh, tell us a little bit about this transition. What, what's it been like? Do you miss poker? How much are you going to play? Uh, the transition started. Transition. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, I was a pro from 2013 to 2020 during the pandemic. I was sort of over it, even leading into that. Whether I was winning, whether I was losing, I was the same level of miserable. I just hated being in the poker room around the people that are in the poker room, especially in Las Vegas. Uh, so I saw an ad to be a nutrition coach and me, I struggled with my weight pretty much from the time I was 15 till I was 30. And I saw it and I was like, always in the back of my head, I thought I could be a coach for people. I could, I could help people do what I did, which was successfully lose weight and keep it off. And there was a lot of ups and downs in between that. I probably lost and gained 60 pounds a dozen times. I was as high as 300 pounds. I was 200 pounds. I, and then it was 260, 220, 270, 230. It was like... How tall are you? 6'5". Okay. I was going to say, because the, the picture where you look what I would qual qualify you as a little fluffy. Oh, like Peter Griffin. Uh, <laughs> I think it'd be a little harsh on yourself. I, I wouldn't qualify you as like overweight in that picture. You, you wear it relatively well. Like I would say you're fluffy. Yeah. I carried it in my face. Yeah. 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 Well, when you're 300 pounds, <laughs> yeah. probably carried it in your ass a little bit too. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so what, what actually motivated the transition to kind of lose it and keep it off? Was it the pandemic? Were you fat in the pandemic? Because I got fat I got, in the pandemic. I got fat during the Me pandemic. Too. And yeah. then I had like my last serious weight loss attempt and I've kept it off since. I guess I just started eating in a way that I enjoyed and I was losing weight. And that's what ultimately led me to the philosophy that I use now with people. It was just, I was like, wow, I can eat this and I can lose weight and I can keep it off. I can like build muscle and still look pretty good while I eat like this. And that just ultimately led me to where I'm at now and I was off. Okay, so let's let's dig into that a little bit before we kind of get into the whole philosophy of it all. Um, talk to me a little bit about the the process of I, I guess getting certified. Is that, is that what it is? You get a certification? Yeah. So Precision Nutrition is where I got my first certification from. It's like a twenty chapter book, and you have to take a quiz at the end of each chapter. It's kind of a joke, like you can do open book, you can just do the quizzes with the book, but I told myself like, I'm not doing that because I actually want to learn this stuff in the right way, I don't want to cheat it. So I did it the right way and I, I drug my feet on it forever. I, I, got, I finally got certified in like May, 2021 after buying it, probably June, 2020. And then I got a second certification just recently, which was way more hands-on. I had to work with guinea pigs and actually like report every week their progress and what I was doing with them. So that one was from the Nutrition Coaching Institute. And that one I would highly recommend because it was way more hands-on and you had to show that you were actually applying the things. And yeah, it's just anyone can go get certified. You can do it in one day because you can use the book and just. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a tricky space. Uh, so people who aren't familiar um, I guess in a, in a clinical way when it comes to the nutrition and the fitness space, but they're kind of just like casual observers who are interested in at some, you know, January 1st mm. New Year's resolution type stuff where I'm going to get in shape. This is the year for me, blah, blah, blah. Um, it, it's, it's an industry riddled with misinformation, with snake oil, with people who are trying to make a quick buck. And it doesn't seem like the barriers are too high. Uh, coincidentally in 2012, the last time I went broke, I was like also 
kind of like uh, wavering back and forth is what the fuck am I going to do? Like mm. I'm 30 now. I have to make a hard choice and being broke is shitty. I still thought I was good at poker and I ended up going the route of like studying hard, coaching a little bit on the side, making enough and then uh, ripping off a huge summer at the World Series. But the whole time in the background, I was just like, I don't even know if aimless is the right word, but I wasn't following much direction, but I was just like pouring a lot of time into fitness and nutrition because it was something I was always passionate about. And I thought like, well, worst case scenario, I can just get certified to be a trainer, to be a nutritionist, and I'll just start a business that way. And you're right, like there isn't a whole lot that you have to jump through in order to get qualified. But if you're passionate about it and you truly want to like be somebody who passes on knowledge, be somebody who passes on strategies that can function and work well, there's a way to do it right. Uh, you just have to cut through a lot of bullshit. Did you find that whenever you were going through the study process that it's really difficult to get a hold of actual information that uh, you know serves you as opposed to like just endless misinformation? I think that the materials that I used to get my certification were really well done. Mm -hmm. Like if you want to get a proper education on nutrition, those are the courses that you should take. I think once you get into the social, like age we live in, the social media age, there's 40,000 diet books on Amazon. Right. All of them claim that they're the best diet. Yeah. And the fact that there is no best diet leaves everything open to interpretation where all these charlatans, you know, they can go stand in Whole Foods with their shirt off and they can say, kale is bullshit. Like, I, I forget that guy's name. That that. <laughs> uh, but, but he literally goes and, like, takes what? his shirt off in Whole Foods, and he's like, kale is bullshit. Kale does not want to be eaten. He's like a carnivore guy. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, uh, you're a carnivore guy. Like, he just doesn't ha like kale. When's the, when's the last time you met a cow that wanted to be eaten? <laughs> so, like, he, like, like people uh. like that, Liver King, it's like mm -hmm. the extremes is what gets the attention. Yeah. Right. My yeah, message yeah. is not going to get too much attention. I'm not going to get clicks. I'm not going to get likes. That's fine with me. I'd rather put out good information and be able to look myself in the mirror. Yeah, I, I think I think what you're pointing to is uh, all too familiar in this space, and uh, it's weird because like I do follow Liver King. I find it to be entertaining, but I also know how to take these things with mm. a grain of salt because I've put in a lot of work to educate myself. Uh, like the kale doesn't want to be eaten narrative. There is this element to uh, greens and certain um, you know vegetables, etc., where there's a bit of a I don't even want to use the word poisonous because it's misleading, but like it's like a defense mechanism. Yeah, right? the, like some will be bitter. So mm. th th there are reasons why they're not palatable, right? Mm. And the extremes, like the carnivores or whatever, will say like that's evidence that you don't need to eat vegetables. And then if you go to the whole other side of like <laughs> vegans, right? Like they'll find some extreme reason as to like, well, that's evidence why we can't eat meat, right? Uh, like you know, the the China study is a great one that mm -hmm. was heavily debunked. Yeah. Where there was Forks a study, knives. yeah, there was a study within the China study where uh, they were trying to prove that casein protein was carcinogenic, mm -hmm. and the way the study where way it was presented in the China study was uh, they had two groups: a control group that had no casein, and then a group that was fed uh, a casein-rich diet of rats. And the casein-rich diet rats all died of cancer; it, like it was like a ninety-five percent death rate of cancer. What they left out was that they lived like five times as long as the non-casein <laughs> oh, fed rats yeah. who were dying of malnutrition. So, so they, they just didn't eventually live long got cancer. Yeah, they didn't live long enough to get cancer. Old yeah. enough. Right, correct. <laughs> so, you know, it's easy to twist data. It's easy to twist facts to, to fit whatever narrative uh, you want. And the truth of the matter is uh, we don't know that much top to bottom as far as like what makes sense from a diet. Uh, historically, it's very region-based. 
right? It's very much based off of what we have available to us from a resource standpoint. And we're very adaptive. You know, uh, if you look at like the Eastern world, they're all lactose intolerant because they worship the cow and they just refuse to consume dairy. In the Western world, we developed over time this tolerance to lactose because it was a resource we had available to us and we found a way to utilize it. Does that mean that milk is good or bad? Neither, both, mm -hmm. who knows? Yeah. You know, like the science is still uh, pretty unfounded. So I think that that even at a cursory level is such a big hurdle for people who are struggling in any capacity with trying to get their life on track from a fitness or nutrition standpoint. Like you can't even, don't even get me started. Like whenever you're talking about somebody who's never been active and walks mm. in the gym for the first time. It's like walking onto a used car lot with $10,000 hanging out of your zipper. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just like, you're going to be bombarded by trainers who are going to try to, you know, scam you or not, not even scam you, but like push you and whatever their philosophy is. And then you're going to have a hundred other meatheads staring at you asking you why you're humping the hack squat machine <laughs> because you don't know how to use it properly. Brian and I did that. Yeah. <laughs> First time we walked in a gym, ninth grade, we, we just started like say, humping. Everyone, everyone did. Yeah. <laughs> ninth grade, usually in a group of four. Yeah, we thought it was, we thought it was a calf machine. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> face down. Yeah. Like imagine, there's no head hole, right? So like you just have to like turn your face sideways, and we're sitting there just. Oh my god! <laughs> I wish there the, was a video. Is that That's when the little hilarious. guy told you guys? Yeah. Art Wiggum. But our calves oh, are yoked. Yeah, our Absolutely. calves are fucking yoked, baby. Art Wiggum, RIP. He walks yeah. over. He was like five foot five. He was a black belt, former uh, former officer in the army. And he walks over, like just marches over, takes one look at us, and he goes, Well, that's one way to do it. <laughs> <laughs> We're like, What are we supposed uh, to do, man? He's like, Try turning around. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, oh, that's much better. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was uh, that was quite the experience. Um, you do study some martial arts, right? Yeah, I do jujitsu and American boxing right Man, now. Man, real shame Andre's not here. I know. Yeah. Who's Andre? Uh, that's our little. That's <laughs> our little jujitsu. Jiu Jiu he the is the Malaysian ankle biter, and he would fight you right now. <laughs> he, right he's here. a jujitsu man. He loves. He's a world champion. Of ankle biting. Seems like he yeah. wins everything. I don't really know. He's he's black belt How? in in. Judo. Judo and yeah, yeah. jiu-jitsu or just uh, judo? He's a black belt in judo and a blue belt in jits. Okay. But he's fucked me up then. He's very small. He's small so, and uh, powerful. First time I went to jiu-jitsu, man, there was girls just throwing me around. <laughs> oh, wow. Like blue belt girls just throwing me around. It's yeah. crazy. Yeah, he doesn't make it very enticing. He's always like, come on, come roll with me. Like, you're going to love it. Like, you're going to want to get involved. And then the second he puts his hands on me, he just can't wait to choke me out. And I'm like, I don't what does like it to Landon this? on the floor here? And Landon, like, doesn't want to fight. No, yeah, yeah. I just, like, turned into a bug on yeah, my back. Just go like, oh, just like, sorry. Yeah. Somebody in the chat, chat just said TJ minus 900. I just want to let you know that I will take your bet. We'll, 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 we'll you want my side or that guy? Huh? I want, I want that guy. I want, I want to bet that guy. Yeah, but I, I want to bet that guy, too. Yeah, yeah. I want Andre. Yeah, it seems Plus like it's a very technical sport. It is. I think you would like it. It's it's not fun if you have like a dickish training partner, though. Right. Well, uh, it's one of those things where it's like I dunk on Andre so much that <laughs> ah, he's taking it out. On yeah, the he really yeah. wants to level the playing field. So I just end up running from him. Like it, it was so ridiculous because if we actually got in hand to hand combat, he would just work me. But now he's just this little guy chasing me around like Mighty Mouse. <laughs> so one thing that jujitsu taught me, and 
you know, going in there for the first time, I wanted to do it for nine years. I was just scared to walk into the gym. That's like the hardest part is just yeah. walking in the gym by yourself, going to a class. Cause you think, you know, it's going to be like this rough atmosphere, but then you find out martial artists are like the nicest people because mm -hmm. they've all been humbled. They've all right. had to go in there for the first time. They've all had to get choked out, embarrassed, humbled. And the only ones that come back are the ones that can take that, that sort of. Yeah. Punishment. I, 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 Listen and watch a lot of Jocko, um, Rogan, Rogan also, you know, a lot of these guys, um, even surprisingly, uh, Lex is, is really yeah. seeming into it. Uh, Huberman as well. Um, I listen to all of them and they all uniformly say the same thing of like the most dangerous thing is not rolling with somebody who is significantly better than you. That's actually quite safe. Like find a black belt to train with. It's, I just broke my foot rolling with a white belt. I did a hip toss and he landed knee first right on my foot. Oh. So it's like, they're, they're like spazzy. Right, so, right. That's the way he made it sound. He's like, it's it's actually a problem when you're like kind of learning with somebody at your level or slightly above yep. uh, that people get like ego or, you know, they're just like too sloppy and everything kind of unravels from yeah. there. The gym I go to, Extreme Couture here in Vegas, really good group of people. Like no one's dickhead, welcoming. I was surprised at how welcoming it was. How long have you been doing it for? Since 2019. So I have okay. three stripes on my blue belt now, but I don't know if I'm ever going to get the purple, man. I just keep getting hurt. It's like, I like lifting weights, but I can't really lift weights and do jiu-jitsu at the same time. It's really when, difficult. When Andre was going for his black belt in judo, I had him training with me five days a week in the gym. So he was going 90 minutes weight training, heavy, and then leaving directly from there to go <laughs> like compete for two hours. And he'd come Jeez. back, and he, you know, he's a little, like, not a little guy, but like. He has crazy endurance, though. Yeah, but like, he lost so much weight over this course of time. <laughs> right. And he was already, like, pretty lean. During that time, we would actually meet up at LVAC and we'd uh, swim, like, five days a week. That's insane. Yeah. So he was doing that, too? Yeah. He was, like, sneaking in extra workouts. <laughs> it was, it was like, yeah. he, he, <laughs> honestly, wow. I have so much respect for it because he was going through a breakup, and it's oh. like, I can't think of a better that, way to yeah, handle yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. That that's sense. rocket fuel right there. Yeah. Right. That's why he did it. Yeah, yeah. It's just like, I'm going to spend eight hours a day in the gym. I'm going to get over this and I'm going to come out looking like a goddamn animal. Well, he, and he came out of it with like, his test is crazy. <laughs> so you're obsessed with testosterone. <laughs> <laughs> well, when, when his is uh, like 34,000, you know, yeah, he has like a hundred thousand testosterone. It actually is. Uh, I think it's, I, I believe we both got ours tested around the same time and his is around a thousand. Yeah. Which is high for anybody he's but like in his, he's in his early 30s yeah um yeah like mine is high for my age bracket at like seven and change almost 800 and his is like rocket high for pretty much any age level that isn't you know puberty yeah um <laughs> did we just I, violate a hipaa rule I, I, don't, I don't think so <laughs> <laughs> uh, i feel i feel like I, I feel like you treat testosterone the way that uh other girls like treat iq it's like, oh, have you ever taken an IQ test? Or have you ever taken a personality test? You're like, well, I'm not that impressed by IQ because I've taken an IQ test. Mine's high and I think I'm not very smart. So right. I'm not impressed by IQ. Or, or a personality test or anything like that. You just want to know. Zodiac like, sign, testosterone. Right. Have, have you taken a blood test? <laughs> <laughs> have you taken a blood test and are you a water sign? That's what I need to know Correct. out of you. Yeah, see, I understand. Look, yeah. that's no, if I've learned nothing no else. Into, no water signs? Not for oh. me. Oh, not for me. I'm not. I'm too like I'll hurt their feelings. Mm, they're too. Well, their test is low. No, not always. <laughs> just like you're a little more sensitive. Well, you know, you're not sensitive because you're rocking a thousand. Andre's not watching the notebook. That's true. <laughs>
I'd like to bet against that. Yeah, probably. <laughs> Just him and Guapo <laughs> after a swimming session. <laughs> They're still wet from the pool. <laughs> Want to come over watch the notebook? Yeah. We, oh, we towel oh, each other off. Man. It's nice. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a great. All right, let's get a little bit into uh, <laughs> switching gears a bit. Uh, let's talk a little bit about your philosophy around. Well, let's start a little bit with your journey. What was your original philosophy to finally lose the weight and keep it off? It was more of a flexible approach where okay. I would just aim for calories and protein and then whatever else filled in the gaps. That's what I would do. Mm -hmm. And that's the philosophy that stuck with me. And it seems to work pretty well for me and, and clients and anyone I recommend it to. So I think that's like the best widespread approach in my opinion. Yeah, flesh that out a little bit for me uh, with regards to like how you approach a client um, because I, I think the way that at least I've come to understand nutrition, fitness, calorie in, calorie out, thermodynamics and all that stuff is that it's a lot of variables to try to pin down and we don't really have a lot of accurate ways of going about uh, finding the baseline. So what's your approach basically, you know, say somebody's overweight, their number one goal is fat loss. Uh, how do you approach that from a, a nutrition standpoint? How do you approach that from a, uh, a fitness standpoint? So I'll just take you through the client journey. I have three stages that I put clients through. And the first stage I call metabolic restoration. It's basically where we're just trying to find their maintenance level because most people either come to me and they're massively under eating fresh off a diet attempt or they're mm -hmm. coming to me massively overeating and they want to lose weight. Mm -hmm. So if they're coming to me massively overeating and we try getting them eating, eating maintenance they actually lose weight as like a byproduct of just right. healthier and then i meet people where they're at the first three four weeks that that first phase lasts it's me what's your sleep look like what's your stress look like what's your water look like how do you track food have you ever tracked food do you know what's in food um did i say water already yeah yeah and then uh activity level so if I, if it's someone that just has never been to the gym before they've never worked out though I'm not going to have them just stepping into the gym like you said. I would rather right. start them with body weight workouts walking. at their home. Wa yeah, walking yeah. is huge too. I like to set step goals for people right off the bat too. And then after we've established maintenance a little bit, they started to they started to like balance out with the weight loss or the weight gain or whatever. Then I enter into phase two. I call it these are all like corny sounding names, but accelerated fat loss, which is just basically entering into a calorie deficit now. Right. After all the the foundational, I like to call it foundational work that we do on the sleep, the water stress all that stuff. i need to know what their life looks like how much of that baselining aspect of phase one uh is trial and error versus like having a some sort of accurate approach to um being able to measure this stuff so they fill out an intake form and then i use a calculator and mm -hmm. it gives me a rough idea of what their tde is right and then i just have them eating that and then it's just a matter of them weighing in every day getting a average weight for the week and then going off it, are you are you losing too much weight okay let's increase your calories are, yeah are you gaining weight okay let's decrease the td total daily expenditure yeah there's uh, so your, your energy burn basically yeah um do you do anything with like resting or sorry uh like fasted metabolic rate no. or basal metabolic rate or anything like that uh yeah it's a little bit more on the expensive side but it's it's something that i found to be helpful because uh, i think that a lot of the science backing your your chemistry is very counterintuitive so like looking at you, knowing that you're an active guy, I would guess that like your your basal metabolic rate is probably somewhere around like 2K calories, maybe 2,400 even, uh, which is probably slightly high, but that's just my brain. If you had to guess, 
six foot, 200 pounds, where do you think mine lies? Six foot, 200 pounds, and your teeth probably. 600 yeah i if if uh i'm totally sedentary for a day it's like 1450 so i just have like a slow metabolism that wasn't really aware of what are you using to track this because that sounds incredibly low. it is uh lower than mine you're talking about are you talking about your your bmr or your td uh bmr okay okay yeah, you yeah. asked td oh no no sorry yeah i i meant uh your like your your uh basal metabolic rate like your your rate of calorie loss if you just laid in yes all day yeah yeah up, exactly yeah, fourteen fifty does yeah but it's still I, I I still think for like my body type and everything else still probably especially for somebody active is probably on the low side uh, and from that I basically was able to do blood work find out that I have a slightly sluggish thyroid mm. correct all of these things uh, through supplementation and then you know get back onto a, a more calibrated version. Um, but that testing shit's expensive. It's like, you know, you can do it at places that, uh, do DEXA scans. Um, but you're looking at a couple hundred bucks to run a test, a couple hundred bucks for a blood test, a couple hundred bucks for the supplementation. I imagine not everybody is going to be in a position to do that. So, uh, I think your trial and error way is great. And it's the way that I've always right. found to cycle through the different, you know, uh, I guess I want to frame this a certain way, but like whenever you take diet and nutrition very seriously, you'll just get to the point where you're comfortable um, going through the fluctuations where it's not crashing. Right. Right. So like for me personally, I basically go th uh, every four months, I'm cycling a bit between maintenance, cut, bulk, right? It's fun, uh, right? It's not. <laughs> well, it's... I, I like it. I like it's it. a challenge. It's like gamifying it. Yeah, it's a challenge. I think the thing that I find to be most challenging is going from maintenance to cut. Maintenance is so comfortable, man. It's so comfy. Bulking is uncomfortable, and cutting is uncomfortable. And honestly, bulking is almost more uncomfortable uh, because you know you you get to really rip it in the gym, and that part's great. Like seeing the strength gains, seeing the power gains, all that's fantastic. But like coming down, coming home, and just like powering down a twenty four ounce tomahawk, you don't feel good, man. <laughs> when yeah. I started like working out again, I was I thought like there was one day. My brother told me, like, just track a week of meals and, like, see what you naturally eat. Yeah. And there was one day I'm like, oh, I did so good today. I ate, like, a lot. And I ate, like, 1,400 calories. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I was like, it was, like, nothing. And then I was like, oh, my God, like, this is so brutal, like, trying to, like, up this, like, get more calories. And now it's normal. Like, yeah. I feel normal at, you know, 18 to 2,200. But I, th I think that this is the, the best place to interject this this part of the conversation because it doesn't really matter what your goals are whether it's to gain muscle to lose fat um or even to just maintain what you have protein is such an integral part of this right and this is something that like i learned very much the hard way uh especially being a college athlete who didn't know shit about shit i was just consuming pasta you know i'm probably i was probably like burning five thousand calories a day running you know five miles plus whatever but it didn't matter i was only refueling through carbs like this was, you know, early 2000 fat is bad. Uh, protein's tough to come by unless you're consuming meat and then you're not supposed to consume much meat because of cholesterol and heart disease. So it's like, I stayed away from pretty much everything that was good. I would have a shake or two a day. My protein was probably around like 60 to 70, uh, grams per day. And then my carbs were probably around like 700, like 10 X that, you know? And it's like, I was in great shape, but I was so soft. Mm -hmm. You just you just never really achieve. Yeah, you lose that lean body mass. Yeah, you don't achieve the the muscle density that you're looking for, the aesthetics that you're looking for. So you know, as I got older and a little bit more educated, I understood the protein really does become 
the crux for all of this. Whenever you are introducing somebody to a caloric deficit, uh, how do you go about reducing their calories? And then how much of that emphasis on macros is like where they need to find their discipline? So I usually just start, after the work we did in phase one where we usually find their TDEE, I usually sub just subtract 500 from that. Like we're, actually, I try to subtract 300 from it. I, I want people to eat as much food as possible and still lose weight. Like I don't want them to feel like they're on a diet. And um, what was the second part of that question? How much of it, um, actually, let me rephrase the question. So, uh, because I think it will carry on to another conversation. Basically, I think like you have a choice to take your clients down. Either they pay very close attention to the quality of calorie that they consume, and they're very disciplined in that regiment, or they're very disciplined in their macros and not really care where the macros are coming from. I think your philosophy leans a lot more towards the latter. Uh, because it gives them a lot more flexibility, right? I, I like to give them as much freedom as I can. There are some people that want their exact macros because they like gamifying it and balancing it. But yeah. if you try to give someone that's just new to, to tracking food, you're like, okay, eat this much protein, this much carbs, this much fat every day. They're going to drive themselves insane trying to balance those three. Right. It's it's something that comes over time with tracking food. So like, it's easy for, for you or I. We could probably put random stuff in right now like oh if you need me to get this much fat this much carbs yeah like we would be able to do it really well quick. i'm i'm really simple because i'll just reduce it down to like four ingredients a day that i eat mm. you know like i'll eat the same thing every single day if it if it proves the outcome that i'm looking for um i i guess what i'm i'm kind of asking then is is it just a calorie goal that you set for them initially uh when it's a deficit yeah it's a calorie and protein goal and that's something that we do in okay. phase one too is i try to i look at their food log see where they're at with protein and try and gradually get them up to where get to it okay okay right so it's basically like okay eat normally but portion control so that we're hitting this this target of uh caloric deficit and then from there i'm going to basically look and dissect what it is that you're eating mm -hmm. and see how your protein levels are doing yep what's uh what's your advice or approach to getting people to up their protein because i know personally that's the easiest thing for me to under eat um it's the, hard, it's the hardest thing for people to get up yeah i think for most people like they overdo carbs but for me fat's just so easy uh and even things that are pretty protein dense are also generally high in fat if you're talking red meats eggs uh things along those lines so like switching all of that stuff out for chicken and leaner meats uh becomes a little bit tricky even nuts uh very high in fat yep so the thing that i do that helped a lot of people i call it green light foods and i don't know if i invented this or not i would <laughs> like to take credit if i did but when you're at the you when you're at the grocery store just look for stuff that's one gram of protein for every 10 calories. If you do that, you're, you're going you're gonna to find a lot of high-protein foods that are going to help you in your deficit. As far as like general foods, breakfast, egg whites, uh, non-fat Greek yogurt, protein cereal with Fairlife milk. Fairlife milk is awesome. The skim milk is like 13 grams of protein. You can make oatmeal, put a scoop of protein powder in. And then there's just the basics with uh, lunch and dinner, lean, lean protein meats turkey breast, chicken breast, all that boring stuff. And then there's also things like fat-free cheese, which like I know it's not the, the best nutrient-dense food. Like but skim milk, uh, like uh, mozzarella, that kind of stuff? That's like part skim mozzarella, okay. but Kraft makes a fat-free cheddar and a fat-free mozzarella that is 45 calories and it's nine grams of protein. So it's like you just load that into mm. pretty what, much anything. What the fuck is it made out of? 
I think it's made out of skim milk, and it, and they put mm. a lot of like they they like make it shiny. If you spray it with right. if you spray <laughs> it with nonstick it spray, it, it melts pretty well. You have okay. to like alter it. Okay. Yeah. But I make pizza. I make pizza with. I make like fifty gram of protein pizzas with it all the time. They sell it just in, anywhere in the store. You gotta go to Walmart. Walmart. Yeah. Really? It's like an exclusive there. It's like you want to be healthy, you go shop at Walmart. And if you, and if they're out of it, it's probably because I went there and they had it. And I just <laughs> cleaned them out. Yeah. I'll have to try that. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that this is probably where our philosophies diverge a little bit, but I don't I don't want to distract the conversation. I think we can kind of like talk about that maybe more at the we end. We can argue later. Yeah. <laughs> um, because I, I think like what you're recommending is very powerful for somebody who just can't really get hunger under control. How does this then translate in your opinion or in your experience, I guess, to people who aren't really used to portion controlling that still have the freedom kind of to pick and choose what it is that they eat, but now have the guardrails of restrictions. I think the protein goal actually helps them with the portion control. Mm -hmm. Like it's very hard. Well, to it satiates you. Yeah. It's the most satiating macronutrient and it's very hard to overeat. Like, like, to, like go eat three pounds of chicken breast for every meal. You're going to be miserable. Very hard to overeat. It's when you start. Oh, I got a recipe for you, my friend. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think I want it. That, that, that shit is filling. Yeah. I had that in Tahoe, and that that is, is it filling. The, is it the, the the chicken breast uh, and the rice? Yeah. So the, I yeah. was a one meal a day guy for a long period of time, um, and honestly, it's the best diet that I've found personally. But the issue is that getting I can't, the protein. No, that's that's not the issue at all. It's absorbing the protein. I can't keep my mass on because I'll eat like. 200 grams of protein in a meal and then you know fat. uh no you you know the fat you're getting a little bit only yeah. like 40 grams are going to protein muscle. yeah you know it's debatable it could be 40 it could be 80 but it's definitely not 200 yeah. we know it's not that so now that's getting converted into glycogen in a very slow process that's taxing on my metabolism and everything in between um but i feel great on it like so i was taking i was taking uh two and a half pounds of chicken breast boiling it and then mixing it, <laughs> mixing it with four cups of bone broth and uh, a cup of rice. And it's like all told like 2,100 calories. I will say my one critique on the recipe mm -hmm. is that even though it is a wet mixture, somehow the chicken is dry. How about Because yeah. you cook it about so five different times. Listen, at no okay. fucking point does he put seasoning on no, it. I do, no, no, I do, no, no, I do. It has listen, salt. Listen, listen so what I've, learned, what I've learned from the barbecue world uh -huh. is um, what you perceive to be moisture in like, especially in meat, yeah. is actually rendered fat. So so when you're, when you're sitting okay. there just boiling chicken breast, there's no fat on it. He freezes it, then he reboils so, it. Right, right, so that's why it's going to taste dry to you. Because it's there's not, cooked there's potatoes, not, there's not like it's rendered like when you fat chew in it, it right. it's mm -hmm. almost like squeaking. Right. Yeah, so... Yeah. It's because there's, no right. there's no fat right. in it. What, right. yeah. What's very important to this recipe is that you shred the chicken very good. Right, you you almost don't want to tell the difference. Whatever you're doing with it is is making it dry, <laughs> so I don't know. If well, it's, there's no fat in it. It's, yeah. it's okay, literally so it's just, just like, always right. going to taste like that no mm -hmm. matter what. Yeah, but like if you shred it uh, very finely to the point where you can barely tell the difference between the rice and the chicken, sure, it just becomes gruel. When you blend it up, <laughs> just sludge. Yeah, it's yeah, it's just a giant bone brothy chicken bouillon sludge. Yeah, that I fucking love. That's solid. I mean, it's like really easy to put down. Yeah, that's the crazy thing is that I'll just eat the whole thing at once like it would be very efficient if i could just break it up into three meals eat 700 calories a pop i just nailed my goals for the day super simple meal Did but you ever try doing that yeah i don't feel full you know i i'm a fat kid at heart man like 
I, I, I very much gorge. Uh, we were talking about this earlier. I have no discipline when it comes to junk food in, in my presence. I'm great about not buying it. Confirmed. I'm great about not buying it. I'm great about not craving it when it's not in front of me. But man, if you put a cookie on that desk, that cookie's getting fucked up. If let's, mm -hmm. I mean, if you put a whole pack of Oreos, whole pack it's gone by tomorrow. Fucked up. The entire thing. I have gone. a mission. Jesus it's my mission yeah. to consume. And I will get like, I'll side eye some people if they reach in there for an Oreo. Well, I remember thinking like, oh yeah, we have Oreos. And then you were like, who the hell bought Oreos? And I was like, where are they? And you're like, I ate all of them. <laughs> <laughs> they weren't even good. They were the white kind. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I, I had no choice, you know? And I am your, uh, me at my, my beginning stage is, is what you have to work with. How do you deal with that level of consumption? Because I can't imagine that people just like stop cheating immediately. Well, I use a few different strategies. The one that's been most effective is when people they eat all their calories for the day and then they end up binge eating at night. Yeah. So Especially just, at the World Series. So I just started, I was like, instead of treating this as if like it's this big mistake, like these, these forbidden foods, because what happens is they start eating it and then they feel bad about doing it and then they just keep eating. Yeah. Just fuck it. It's, a, it's, like, it's like you get a flat tire and you go stab the other three tires because it's like, fuck it. I already, <laughs> I already fucked up. Yeah. We're not moving. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. So what I do is I'm like, hey, why don't we- I embrace that mentality, by the way. It's not good. Yeah, you it's, do. It's you not, like you're I, like diving the, in head I'm first. I'm the same way. Yeah, I'll just be like, tomorrow's a new day, man. Today we're eating six thousand calories of shit. So what I found was there's these two strategies I use with them where I'm like, why don't you just eat 500 calories less during the day and then eat 500 calories of whatever you want at night? And that's been pretty effective. Okay. And then there's also the strategy of if you go slightly over, if you go three, 300, 500 calories over, just log them in your next day's food. Like I've done that before and that's, right, been pretty, right, right. that's been pretty effective for me because I eat it like right before I go to bed anyway. I'll yeah. just log it in the next day and then I only have 1,700 calories to work. 23. I think that's pretty reasonable too because, uh, you know, outside of um, circadian rhythm, we don't really, our, our body doesn't exactly clock the calorie in, calorie out on a 24-hour basis. That's another thing that I do is I do calorie budgeting where I'd say, let's think about your week. I ask them on every check-in, I'm like, What's going on this week? Do you have anything upcoming on this weekend? They'll be like, yes, yeah, Saturday, I got to go to a barbecue. Right. So let's just say they're, they're supposed to eat 2,000 calories a day. I tell them, just think of it as a weekly budget instead. Mm -hmm. So you have to eat 14,000 calories this week. Let's say you want to eat 3,000 uh, 3, on Saturday. All they have to do is take, uh, I think, 183 calories away from the other six days. Right. And they'll still hit their 14,000 calories a week. They'll be able to enjoy themselves on Saturday. I think if more people took that approach to things instead of like, oh, I got to hit my daily. And if you go over your daily, like, oh my God, it's over. You can also do, if it's Thursday night and you eat 800 calories worth of Oreos, fuck. And then usually what would happen is the person would just, oh, I'll just start on Monday, Friday, fuck up, Saturday, yeah, yeah, fuck yeah, up, yeah, Sunday, yeah. fuck up. What if you just spread those 800 calories out over Friday, Saturday, and Sunday? And then you just keep moving Reset. on with your life. Yeah. 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 yeah, I think that's really great advice uh, because... I mean, I've personally, I can speak to the experience where it's like, I'm on a very strict regimented diet and this usually is during the world series and I've been crushing it for like 20 days and I just have a moment and I binge and I wake up and I've, I'm leaner than I've ever been. Right. And it's, it's almost like that reef refeeding phase, uh, that you get a lot after, uh, fasting mm. where your body's responding now to an influx and a bit of abundance. And it's, it's kind of like shocking the system a bit. 
time is relatively arbitrary when it comes to these metabolic systems and everything that's going on with inside. The issue becomes one specific, which is when people gorge uh, and go way over calorie, oftentimes what's happening is they're just flooding their system with glycogen, right? And that tends to be what creates a bit of a negative uh, crash, if you will, or, uh, you know, kind of what reprograms the brain to just say like, fuck it, we ball, uh, give me anything I can within sight. I think though the the idea of approaching it in a manageable budget, like you're saying, um, specifically when it comes to events that you can plan for, because that's the thing that I've always found that I struggle the most. I look forward to bulking in the winter because that's when all the holidays are, yeah. and I just know like once every three weeks I'm getting fucked up in cookies, and there's nothing I can do to control it because this is the way I'm built, and my I friends was are awful after the holidays. Yeah, yeah. It's like you have, I, I was lifting heavier. And you, you have to. <laughs> It's like, you know, you have friends that are like, are, are happy that you're enjoying food, even though like you're self-loathing while doing it. Uh, so you just budget for it. You know, it's just like, okay, well, I'm going to go really hard in between these periods. And then I'm going to ensure that like, however much damage I do over that short period of time, I'm going to spread it out over, over the days or weeks to come. Um, I think that what you're speaking to is a lot of reprogramming the guilt out which I imagine is just like an endless cycle for people who are kind of struggling a bit with this process. Yeah, I have, I have a client that loves drinking beer and you know, instead of telling him you can't drink any beer, I just say, you can pick whatever night a week and I have a calorie budget for him and he goes and he has five beers and he's still losing weight. And then there's another Wait, thing. Wait, is it Eden? <laughs> no. <laughs> you got a shout out. Yeah, you hey, got a shout out. He's been asking this. Shout out to Poker Pro Eric and uh, Snoop Dogg. Yeah, these guys are all budgeting their beers for like Thursday night spaces. Okay, and I have, I have another mindset frame that people can use. If you really fuck up, like one night. Uh, so you know, this, is, this might take a while, but you know like a Lego set, right? There's like yep. a 3,000 piece Lego set. On the outside of the Lego set, it shows what the finished product is going to be. Mm-hmm. That's, that should be like what you're aspiring to be, the person you're trying to be, what your body looks like, whatever it is. And then you empty the fucking box out and it's 3,000 pieces just laying there. The only way to put it together is one piece at a time. You can treat each one of those pieces as like a meal or a workout. Build momentum, keep building it up. What usually happens is, and I used to do this all the time, sounds like you used to do it. You build up maybe 300 pieces. Then you have a really shitty weekend where you really fuck up. You probably take 50 of those pieces off. Yeah, but what we would do is we would take the remaining 250 pieces and just throw it out the fucking window. 100. 100. All you man. have to do yeah. is wake up on Monday and start putting bricks back on. Now you got 251, 252. Before yep. you know it, you're back to 300, and you just keep it going. And eventually, yeah. you'll get to where you want to go. You you just you can't quit. Quitting is is the worst thing you can do. Yeah, I, I think that all this is uh, a, a great way to reframe. And most most importantly, I think that anybody who wants to go down this journey. Uh, and I know we'll talk about Deeb in a little bit, uh, you have to take it upon yourself to, to educate yourself, right? Because like, there's no, there's no diet out there that solves this problem. Uh, and you know, we can get into all of the ones that exist and debate back and forth as to their efficacy, but really it's person dependent, it's lifestyle dependent, uh, it's genetic dependent in a lot of instances. And even then, just generalizing and saying like, bro, eat whole foods and eat it with mm-hmm. portion control and eat your goddamn protein. You're going to have way better results. But if you're not taking the time to understand how the body works, how you respond to certain things, uh, you know, heading down some level of refinement, it, it is always going to feel like you're just staring at those 3000 pieces, no matter how much you've built up. 
Um, and that's that's kind of the, I guess the the biggest trick about that industry as a whole is to why it's so bullshitty at the entry level. Yeah, it's it's just because like, they're trying to sell the full Lego set. Yep. They're, they're trying to do that and they're trying to muddy the waters of what it takes to build the Lego set so that you have to buy their special fucking, here, here's a red flag for everyone out there. If the person you're following on social media that you're getting your diet advice from is selling supplements, they probably fucking suck. Yeah. They're, <laughs> like unless it's protein powder, creatine, pre-workout, maybe like a sleep supplement, they fucking suck. That, that, that's like, that's a really big fence to get over. What, uh, what, what is your supplement regime if you have one? Uh, pills, I just take krill oil, fish oil, multivitamin, vitamin D. Make sure you take it with a fat because it's more soluble. That I take pre-workout, creatine. Creatine is the most widely researched supplement on the market. It's been proven time and time again to help with pretty much anything you're trying to do in fitness. Yep. So I highly recommend everyone take five. Grams yeah, you don't have to cycle it either, which is nice. You don't have to load it at the beginning like they try and get you to do. You can buy creatine monohydrate, the cheapest one. You don't have to get creatine. And I don't even know what it's called, but you can just stick to creatine monohydrate. That's pretty much all I take for supplements, and I take a protein powder. You take magnesium or like anything I for actually, relaxing or sleep? I do take mag. I take magnesium glycinate. A-P-I-G-N-E-N, I think it's called. I don't even know how to pronounce it. And then L-theanine for sleep as well. Those three before I go to sleep. I've been crushing sleep lately. Like I finally figured out sleep, I think. Yeah, I, I sleep incredibly well i take magnesium for bed as well uh the other subs i take are very similar just fish oil vitamin d um and take one other and i don't remember i feel like i'm forgetting one pill yeah uh i'm forgetting what it is be oh uh it's it's uh tonga ali oh i've heard good things about that lately it's man that, all the those are the only supplements you take yeah that's yeah, pretty good I used to take all. You, you would love it. It raises your tea. <laughs> I don't need any more of that. I'm already getting laser on my chin. Like I can't handle more tea. Uh, Huberman recommended it. Man, I, I have to tell you, I don't know if it's just like placebo effect or not, but I started it in January. Placebo effect is real. It, it may be, it, or it actually could be what he claims it is. Man, I, I started taking it in January, and my my efficiency from waking up to going to bed is a thousand x what it used to be like my output is just so much better and granted like i still may need a midday nap here and there if uh i'm running a little low but before like the lethargy that would set in the second i opened my eyes and for how long it would take to get the pre-workout to kick in and we're talking two or three hours to get mm. the day started now it's like my feet hit the floor I delay caffeine intake i'm already in the sauna by the time i get out i'm taking caffeine and like i'm just ready to roll uh, and I really do think that the Tongali has, has something to do with that. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me given that it does have like a, a bit of a secondary effect on your testosterone levels. Might have to try that out. Yeah. It's really great. Uh, as best I can tell again, maybe it's just placebo. Who knows? Um, getting back into a little bit of, uh, how you handle clients and things like that. Can you talk a little bit about the difference between fat loss and weight loss? Cause I think that this is a big misconception that people will deal with. Yes, yeah, so I have plenty of experience with just straight up weight loss. If your goal is to just wake up every day and step on the scale and see it go down a pound or two, you're doing it the wrong way. Um, that, that's, why, that's why I have people eating as many calories as possible while still losing weight. I think a good range of weight loss is a half pound to two pounds a week. If you're doing more than that consistently, you should probably up your calories. And obviously, if you're not losing weight, you should lower your calories. Um, but yeah, if you do crash dieting, that's what I used to do all the time. I would eat 1,200 calories. 
the scale would go down every day. I'd tie my self-worth into the number on the scale every day. If it didn't move, I was like pissed that it didn't go down a pound in a day. And then I wouldn't even look good at the, at the end when I would hit like my goal weight. I remember I, when I was like 295, I was like, fuck man, these NFL quarterbacks are like 6'5", 220. If I get down to 6'5", 220, I'll look like him. And, <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. And, then I, and then I get down to that and I look like shit. And, I, and, I, and I'm just like, what's going on? Like, uh, yeah. And then you learn about protein and how beneficial it is to holding on to lean body mass and like taking it slow with the calorie cutting and you look so much better even though the scale is not going down you guys know it makes us a lot easier uh oh oh boy genetics being half black <laughs> I'm gonna tell you. Yeah. Like, you guys are doing all this, you know. How do, how do I do that? How do we do that? Yeah. How do I get As Landon there? says, Conrad has fat abs. Yeah. He calls them fat abs because you them actually flabs. Flabs. you can see his abs, but there he also just has like a bit of a. No, it, it, belly. He, he's not wrong. It's it's incredibly infuriating that like my end goal in my mind <laughs> is to be where Conrad's starting from. Yeah. And he's just can a lazy piece of how, shit. How Conrad could be like he, well your brother is like crazy ripped. My brother is a goddamn animal. Yeah, he really he's is. He's like a great I, god. I'm gonna send a picture to Guam. He's doing calisthenics yeah. all the time. He's defying gravity. That's every day. I like throw a party mm-hmm. when a new Well he's Conrad at eighteen. Or, or yeah. 20 now. Was he 20? Uh, he's about, he'll Have be you ever been like year. ripped, Conrad? No. I've been the same thing. I've always well, like never this. done anything. I've yeah. never done anything. Imagine Conrad, played, 15 years younger and working out I every day. I feel like you, there was like a stage of two weeks maybe that you were going to the gym after you realized how ripped your brother was getting. <laughs> I... We all went to the te- or we all went to the gym as a, as a company for like did. three months. Mm-hmm. We should do that. I want to go. Yeah, sure. Let's do it again. Yeah. Uh, everybody got in great shape. Hunt was in really great shape. Really? Hunt was Hunt was a monster in the gym. Wow. He didn't fuck around. Well, he like, has tattoos yeah. now too. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> that is true. I, I, I think we could encourage him to get back in there. We we did like uh right as everything wrapped up, um, it was kind of coming around COVID. I think uh, we did like a team relay race of sorts, uh-huh. and it was the assault bike, the rower, uh, the curve sprint. And I think I died. I think there was one more. <laughs> oh, me too. Tortoise was. Uh, I went real hard. Threw up. Rec- you threw up. I went Conrad threw, no, Conrad, Conrad threw, you up. threw up. I, I oh, just yeah. went as hard as I could on like the first exercise. <laughs> like I was just like, I'm, I'm fucking winning this you thing. You went in hair and mode. I just died. I was like, I can't breathe. I'm gonna die. I'm, I'm like, this is how it ends. This Mama Joe was. Ends. Mama Joe was the all star. Yeah. Wow. She, she was. Uh, she ran track, I think, in college, and she just absolutely blew people away on the curve sprint. Yeah. Gave a nice big lead to that team. Um, but yeah, like Hunt, Hunt did really well. I think that was when Chin was. Uh, it was right before we made the bet that he couldn't lose half of his body weight. We even had Corey in there. Yeah, yeah, wow, man. Everybody, everybody got was after. Mm-hmm. It was fun. It was fun. Was it was very expensive for me. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think we were paying like four k a month for the for the entire squad to get oh, in there. Oh god! But, you know, it was basically private training, which was yeah. We could uh, just go to like you know. LVAC or nah, something. Nah, that's the thing though. Like having somebody who knows what they're doing yell at you is yeah. a very that's big true. motivating that could be factor. You. you could be that person. No, just, you guys don't listen to me. No, we I know, but we're that's not why you yell at you. us. We will yeah. yell back at you. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. I'm just the unruly that was, dad. Well, that was when my brother was coaching me and lifting. Like I yelled back at him all the time. Yeah. Yeah. You, it's, it's like, um, it's the same as like dating somebody in your industry. Like you just can't can't coach them even if you know more or yeah. whatever like it just doesn't work you're better off pushing them off to well, a friend show fit yeah. to fat to fit i don't know if you've seen it tj but it's a great show i have not so they take like there's a trainer 
and usually it's maybe their brother or their their spouse or something is fat and they they basically get fat the trainer gets fat on purpose and then they train back together so mm. but but that person like they they almost have to get fat in order to get them to listen because they won't listen yeah to them because they hard, you know it's hard to coach your friends to do yeah. things it's yeah. hard to coach period like uh you know we're on day two of the academy and We'll, we'll just point out like small things that are truly fatal flaws. Like, uh, okay, this is a small mistake, but it's a clear gap in logic, right? Like you're just focusing on the wrong thing. You're missing the strategy overall. And the, the pushback because, you know, you've just been doing things for a very long time and it's hard to check those bad habits at the door. Same thing goes whenever you're talking about diet and nutrition. It's like, well, this is what I think I know about my body about all the stuff and mm -hmm. i think that there's this misconception that inherently we're just born with the knowledge to mm -hmm. lift weights and get skinny I, I think then people start learning about nutrition and dunning kruger takes a big effect yeah mm. me I was, I was guilty of that when i was doing keto yeah i literally remember going on a date like uh from, oh, no. from tinder and this chick was like really fit and everything and I was telling her like, oh no, I do keto. Like I can just eat as much as I want. Like, yeah. And she was like, no, that's not how it works. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, trust me, this, trust me, this is how it works. Relax, there sweetheart. was no second date, was there? There actually, there actually was, but um, only because she was gonna try to educate. <laughs> yeah. me. She was trying to get a client like, I, at that I, point. I really can't let this guy keep going on like this. I was like, I just eat, I just eat as many chicken wings as I want. And I lose weight, and you know, she was like, no, that's not how it works. I'm like, it's chick. <laughs> Burke, this is what you really want to look like. Go on, TJ. No, Jesus no. Christ! Wow. Man. Yeah, that's Conrad. That's what Conrad could look like. If yeah, he that's my little gym. brother. I, he's twenty. I, I mean this with with respect because he's not what I'm actually about to say. But like, I could never get that small. Uh, he's, he, he's like well, five ten, five nine. Um, no, he's probably like six foot. Uh, oh, really? Five eleven or six foot. Oh, maybe that's, that's misleading. Small. Then uh, he looks really? like he's about one hundred and seventy pounds. I think he's like he's just super lean. Um, I don't know. I no, he's super lean. Yeah. I think he's bigger, way bigger than that. Oh, like okay. Maybe maybe you, the, don't, you don't yeah. have that body type to ever to look like. That. No, like just, I was I did seventy five hard and I got down to one eighty four and it's mm -hmm. the smallest I've been since like tenth grade. Yeah. Uh, and I was lean, but like I was. Uh, it's it's not the appropriate weight. Even if I was like trying to get the ten percent body fat, like mm -hmm. one eighty three would not be where I would reside. It should be like one ninety. Yeah. I sacrificed a lot of muscle to get that small, right? Um, which is not the desired outcome, I don't think. Uh, yeah, sorry, that's what we were talking about initially. And I think we kind of deviated a little bit, but what what is the big difference here between fat loss and weight loss that uh, you tried to explain to this woman? Well, if. <laughs> <laughs> No, that wasn't what I was trying to explain. Yeah, weight, weight loss, like if the scale's going down way too rapidly, you're burning through lean body mass and you're ultimately destroying your body composition and you're not going to like the final product that, that comes out at the end. Yeah. Um, what about for someone like Deeb uh, who basically started as completely sedentary? He wasn't doing any sort of weight training prior. How much lean body mass could he even expect to, to have as a foundation and how concerned should he be with maintaining or gaining that as opposed to just like shedding pounds yeah honestly i even tweeted this because so many people were tagging me about how i should coach deep and i was like i'll be honest like i'm so much in my infancy in coaching right i don't even think i'm the best person to to take on this task because i'm not sure how to specifically talk like you have to manipulate like many different factors to maintain the lean body mass and then mm -hmm. lose the body fat so and, and in that period of time like i could probably do it over a prolonged period of time with him but 
in that amount of time, I was like, I don't think I'm the right person to do this. Right, and you kind of want to do it healthy yes. because you want him to to maintain thereafter. That's kind of the point of the bet. Yeah, about that. Um, like, if I take emotion out of it, and he's probably watching this, and I like Sean, um, uh, I I really worry about what's going to happen at the end of that workout. Uh, workout at the end of that bet when he when he wins the bet, I think he's going to win the bet. I worry about what's going to happen after the bet because people hit their goal weight and they pretty much just revert back to the behaviors that they had. They, they think of going on a diet as just like this temporary thing. I'm just going to yeah. go do this. I'm going to hit like my goal an weight. End point. Yeah. The, yeah. They think they hit a finish line and it's over. You are halfway done with the fucking race at that point. When you hit your goal weight, whatever that is, you got a lot more work to do. You gotta, you gotta maintain those habits that got you there. And you have to, you have to build a diet and fitness regime around your lifestyle and not vice versa. And that's what I'm seeing with him. And he has to do that yeah. in order to win this bet. He has to, build his entire lifestyle around this diet and this fitness routine. But I just worry about what's going to happen after. I will say that the fact that he has to get to 18% and not like X pounds or lose like X That's hard. That's way harder. It's way harder, but I also think it lends itself to being more sustainable. True. Um, yes. This was the thing with Doug's bet initially when I, I think he had to go from what, 29 to like 14 and a half or something like that. Yeah, I'm not familiar with that. Um, it was something along those lines. He's, he had to lose half of his body fat percentage. And I just recall uh, the early going, I wanted to get clarity on what the specul or what the stipulation of the bet was, whether or not he was allowed to use PEDs, because if he wasn't, I thought he was a pretty big dog at, at one to one. And I really wanted to bet against, not because I don't believe in somebody who's betting on themselves. Like I think that's kind of the, the worst person to ever bet against. But I just know what it takes to get that lean. It wasn't like he was going from 36 to 18. I think that that's much more doable. You know, that, that, that 17 to 22% body fat is like where most healthy men will getting reside. Under, getting under 15, people it's don't hard. realize how hard it is. Yeah, you're, you, you enter into the bodybuilding phase of things and like having had some experience with just like training for aesthetics alone uh, or uh, I guess like, you know, body fat percentage, whatever. It's really fucking hard without aid. And you're miserable down there. You're miserable. Uh, and Hungry, most importantly, tired, hormones are all fucked up. Right. Do you and, think that picture of Conrad's brother, is he around there? Oh, he's probably oh, he's sub 10. He's leaner than 15. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I would guess he's sub 10. He's. Or at 10, <laughs> somewhere around there. I would text I mean, him, he's but shredded. he's in the gym. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's a fucking kid. Uh, he's the kind of guy, like, I don't, I don't know him that well, but it just by his body build and like with the way his leanness shows through, I imagine that that's just pure natural. Yeah. Right. That's just sure hard work. We're like, I, I don't, I don't want to speak natty. for TJ, but like for someone like me, I could train just as hard as him with as much, if not more exertion. Right. And I wouldn't look anything like that. And I wouldn't get anywhere close to 10%. Well, he's definitely natural. He's yeah. he works out twice. Gene times genetics are good genetics. very underrated. Yeah, that's why I'm saying like the average man, he's going to with hard work just reside in that 17 to 22 percent body fat because that's where his genetics are going to carry him to. Mm -hmm. But then you have genetic freaks where like like Jason Kuhn, mm. his maintenance is like 10 percent. <laughs> he just yeah. walks around with that like 300 days a year, and if he really wants to cut, he can get to like six. You that's know, crazy. Yeah. Um. That the, those and are he wins all freak the athletes. Yeah. yeah. What? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you see him in the winter. He's like, oh, I'm really soft. Yeah. I'm like, what are you, 12? <laughs> like, God, Fuck I off. hate. I can. I can see every line in your quad, man. <laughs> like, this is so brutal. Uh, he's always good about no matter what. No matter what shape I'm in, no matter how it's going, he just knows that like I'm working. He'll go, 
looking big, man. You're looking big. I'm like, I'm not, but I appreciate you doing that. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I, with, with the Doug thing, knowing that like you had to, he had to cross the threshold into bodybuilding. The biggest aspect of that is the base that you're able to, to build. And I felt like he was kind of starting from scratch as far as like uh, weight training and, and all that stuff. It's really fucking hard to put on a lot of muscle. And I saw that his early approach was to lose weight. Mm. And immediately I was just like, how can he win? How can he win? I would almost be looking to put on weight. I mean, I say that to my girlfriends because that's not something that like I hear from women a lot. A lot. It's just they're so obsessed with the number on the scale going down. Mm -hmm. And I'm just like, honestly, throw it out. Agreed. Stop looking at I, it. I've had many girlfriends where it was just like, I hear what you're describing as your desired outcome. And I'm telling you, it has nothing to do with that scale. You will be significantly heavier to reach your goal. Right. Like the scale will completely contradict the way that you look in the mirror. Yeah. Um, but that's, that's hard for them to, to kind of well, understand. Because especially like when, at least when I was growing up, it was all the almond moms. They're, yeah. they're, you know, eating one almond oh, right, for right. every, almond every six hours. Yeah. And Those healthy snack packs like, that come out, they're like a hundred calories. As as, or nothing tastes as good as skinny, skinny feels. feels. That's yeah. like what all the moms were saying mm -hmm. when we were growing up. So I think it's like a lot of that leftover. Yeah. Whereas like, I didn't really have that like i i just ate whatever there's also anyway, this huge so. misconception that like putting on muscle is really easy especially for women oh my god no it's not of, of no, course not i remember lynn would like walk by a gym and look at a weight and she'd be like oh my god did you f my traps just got bigger <laughs> and it's like <laughs> yeah it's girls like, think if they're, they're like i don't want to get bulky it's yeah, like no, it's hard. Bulky, yeah it's i've been so trying to get bulky for bulky. fucking 20 yeah, years it's like, right. i have 10x the <laughs> testosterone as you and i've been putting 10 hours a day into this for decades and i can't get bulky and a lot of times when you see the women who look like bulky or yeah. whatever they're usually like they're on gear or something of course. <laughs> of course. or they're like freshly pumped yeah and like when your pump goes down you look normal but right, like right. or both but yeah. it's just like you're not gonna get like that muscle is lifting. really hard to acquire so i have all the answers that you were asking let's hear it mm. He's 5'10", 165.8. That's what, uh, look at me. Yeah. Look at right. me. Show me a picture. I eyeballed the guy. I fucking nailed it. He has a... He's your brother, man. Yeah. He doesn't know how tall his brother is. <laughs> He's like 6'1", foot one ninety. Yeah. <laughs> no, I never said 6'1". He said 6'1". 6'1", six six foot, six foot six yeah, 2 inches, but you know. I said like 185, I thought. Okay, um, go on. He's really lean. He is 6.9% body fat. Wow. Nice. Oh my God. Wow. That's, That's crazy. Insane. Is yeah. he going to do bodybuilding or anything? I don't know what he's doing, honestly. That's wild. Maybe we'll have him on the pod sometime. Yeah. Honestly, I'd be curious if he's dieting down because I would guess he's like not. Like, I'm sure he's in a deficit, but probably negligible. Whereas, he's like, probably not trying to do anything. Right, 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 right. Yeah, exactly. Like, he's probably just expend, uh, expending more calories than he so can much, consume. He does so much he of the calisthenics chicken. stuff, right? Yeah, he does a lot of calisthenics, but he eats chicken all day. Like, yeah, chicken he looks like a gymnast. Yeah. I imagine if he like wanted well, to get that's stage what he's ready, doing, kind of. I think. Yeah, he does a yeah. lot of like handstand type weird he's doing, stuff. Doing like the L, the L sits <laughs> yeah. and the the he does those. Um, I don't know. I saw you repost a video of him doing what's that thing that the horse thing that they're flipping around oh, on oh, that the platform. Pommel horse? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I don't know what that is. It's a gymnast thing. I don't know any of the stuff that he's I, doing. I imagine <laughs> if he wanted to like try to quote unquote get stage ready and diet down. Like, he might be one of those freaks of nature that could get to, like, sub four. Wow. Like, you know, the 3.8-ish range, the four. I don't even know what that looks like. It's, it's, it's like Ronnie Coleman? Yeah. Oh, it's like, okay. Except Ronnie Coleman is just, like, a massive fucking human. <laughs> yeah. 
Lightweight, baby! <laughs> I love him. Landon, every day, I swear, he just sends me the link to Ronnie Coleman saying lightweight for four hours on a loop. <laughs> <laughs> I wish he was here for this because, yeah, this would you know, he's like basically one year into uh, going from fat to like really discovering, I don't want to say gym culture so much, but like investing in yourself. And man, it's incredible to see he's how obsessed in, in he is fitness. with it. Mm -hmm. He like knows fitness influencers and stuff. He's definitely in like gym culture. He's way ahead of where I was <laughs> when I was like, while I was an athlete, like Tristan Lee. high school athlete, college athlete. Like I was not tracking fitness and nutrition the way Landon is. Yeah, I mean he's like all in on it, doing research, trying to figure things out, trial and error, like. Very impressive, uh, considering where he came yeah, from. Yeah, I mean, he also spends like so many hours in the gym. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm not convinced he's doing. I'm not convinced he's working out the whole time though, because every selfies. at night Thank when you. I go in there, like I'll just like go in because I forgot something in there, and like I open the door, it's just dark, and he's posing in front of the mirror. So, <laughs> it's like <laughs> I don't think he's like working out the, the whole Lightweight. time, but yeah, um, yeah, but I I do think that like stories like that stories like yours uh, i'm sure a lot of your clients as well it really does lend a testament to a how hard it is to get started right because like for landon he just like lived fat unnecessarily for years remember right? he would just roam around the kitchen yeah oh he was he was he was a grazer he would just graze he would just grab stuff as he walked by <laughs> it. it was just like absorbing food around him and the irony is that like he might eat more now but he he's, sure does. he's so much smarter about cleaner. like yeah it's cleaner and the macros are, are more towards the goals that he's trying and to he's accomplish actually moving his body and stuff so it's right and much much more active um let's talk a little bit about the wsop uh, as far as like uh, i saw recently i think you said that you were like all booked up i actually have a question about that go on so i i guess i'm wondering if there's certain types or maybe like because I've heard different things. Some people, they don't really like to eat too much throughout the day for endurance reasons. So they don't like get a crash in the middle of the day or at night. Because for me, I feel like I, that happens where I'll kind of eat at a break and then I'm just like slugged. Yeah, I think you should listen to what your body is telling you. And then just like, if you're feeling like that, probably avoid those foods. Right. Like just do an elimination type diet where it's like, I tell people to do that all the time, like 90 minutes after you eat, think about like, how do I feel right now? Mm. Do I feel mm. good? Oh, I should probably eat more of that because yeah. everyone's so different yeah. with their right. responses to things and, and different types of food. So I would say just really dial in on the things that make you feel good and keep away from the dino nuggets. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> That's fair. What, what is the approach that you're giving your clientele for the WSOP? Because we kind of touched on a little bit, but binge eating after a long session is so easy. Especially with that cake machine they got. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I've basically been telling them to control the hours that you can control, which are breakfast before you go play the tournament, and then the snacks that you pack during the tournament. You know, I'm giving them like rough calorie estimates for breakfast and then the snacks that they bring. And mm -hmm. then I'm telling them not really to stress dinner. Just make, I'm big on just making better decisions than you have in the past. Mm -hmm. So it's like, if you can lop off the bottom end of your C game, like if we're talking Tommy Angelo, Elements of Poker, Jared Tendler, you can lop off the bottom end of your C game. If you eliminate the worst aspects of your diet and, and your, your habits, your binge eating and all that stuff, you just get so much better by default. Your old, your old, say this wrong, 
your old C game, your old B game becomes your new C game, your B game levels up. Mm. Like spending time worried about the top end of your A game is honestly a waste of time when it comes to that. You know what you're supposed to do in perfect <laughs> conditions and everything like that. Right. It's kind of like poker, like working at the top end of your A game is not going to provide as much value as where am I fucking up massively? And then when, it, when they go out to eat, because like your friends are going to want to go out to eat after you bag or whatever. I'm like, just, just build your meal around a protein source. Don't get dessert. Split yeah. an appetizer. Try not to have 12 alcoholic beverages. Basically that. Like I'm trying to just keep things realistic because I think people come into WSOP with very unrealistic. I know I did every single time I came out here and grinded for six, six WSOPs. And every time I was like, I'm going to work out six days a week and I'm super clean. And then like one weekend, it's fucking out the window. So it's just be proactive, put a plan together in place now before the series starts, but be realistic about it. Don't take your current level of working out and try to like improve on it when you come out here. Maybe try and size it down and then do what you've been doing at home if you have more time. And as far as diet, try and do the same things that you're doing at home. Don't, don't go from like eating whatever you want at home to then like, oh, during WSOP, I'm gonna eat super clean. Probably not realistic. I would rather see you Eat more nutrient-dense foods at breakfast because um, I, I believe you should eat at maintenance during WSOP. I think you're going to be sharpest uh, when you're at homeostasis. You're going to play your best. You're going to feel your best. So it's like nutrient-dense foods for breakfast, nutrient-dense snacks, and then at dinner, just try not to be a total asshole. <laughs> How much? What, oh, go ahead. I, I was going to say, what about like uh, like workouts uh, during on, on days you're going to play when you know you're going to have long days? Is there Do you, do you take a different approach the no. days off? No, I would, yeah, if, you, if you're working out six days a week when you're at home, maybe try and buckle it down to three when mm -hmm. you're out here. Try, and then, like I said, if you have more time, go do more workouts. And I'm big on getting outdoor walks, especially if you're staying in a casino. Yeah, sunshine for, and that kind of stuff. Get yeah. vitamin D, yeah. get sunlight in your eyes when you wake up. Definitely go for outdoor walks. You can see some funny shit on the strip at 9 a.m. if you go, <laughs> you go for a 9 a.m. outdoor true walk. That's true, too, so. yep. Um, how much value do you put in meal prep, sorry, meal prepping? Uh, and what role does fasting, if any, play into your advice? I mean, meal prep, it all depends on the person. There's a lot of people that, there's a lot of my clients that I just have get meal prep because their big hangup is cooking. So if someone's biggest hangup is cooking, boom, meal prep solves that problem. Now what? Now, now do we have to address? So I'm, I'm big on meal prep during WSOP, especially that's another thing I came out here. I was like, I'm going to cook this for breakfast. I'm going to cook this for, I'm going to like make all this food and bring it with me to casino fucking goes out the window three days yeah. in. I'm at in and out right like after that's I bust. That's happened to me. Yeah. So maybe rethink your approach. Yeah. But um, <laughs> what was the second part of that question? Uh, how much does fasting play a role in um, them managing their calories? Yeah. It, it's all, it all depends on them. Like I intermittent fast, but I do it on accident. Like mm -hmm. I, I, I don't get hungry for like the first four hours of the day, but I'm not going to like freak out if I have a sip of, creamer in my coffee like oh my god i broke my right. fast and at, i just don't like to eat like within three hours of when i'm going to go to bed like i feel like shit in the morning so it's just individual because some people just aren't hungry in the morning um you can use fasting as a tool during the series especially if you know you don't want to eat at certain times or it's just going to be easier for you fasting is a really good tool for people to use like i used to be super anti like keto super anti intermittent fasting but now i'm coming around to know that there's a lot of different routes you can take to get to the destination you want to get to, and they're all, they're all uh, beneficial for the most part. Yeah, I personally don't do well on like the, the five or six meals a day. Uh, if I start eating that early, I almost always overconsume, um, and I lack like satiation mm. in, in my meals. Uh, but also fasting is really, really, really easy for me. 
Uh, I can work out fasted without much loss. I don't really feel hungry post-workout. So it really just becomes a matter of, I think the biggest struggle becomes like if you do that morning workout, knowing that you're going to play at noon, it's really tough to just have that five-hour window without fueling your body at all because you don't want to uh, lose lean muscle mass as a byproduct of staving off a few extra meals. Um, so I do tend to break my fast earlier in the, in the summertime, just because if you're going to work out, it has to be AM or, you know, if you are a real sicko and you have it in you after busting, God bless, but then you're not really following much of a regiment, right? It's just, you're letting life dictate whenever you're active. If, yeah, if you're going to be reactive to stuff, it's eventually just going to fall off the rails. That's why I'm big on being proactive and just set get, get set up with something that's realistic. Make the barrier eventually really low to your workouts and just make sure you're doing something. Yeah, I think that that's all good advice. I, I think that uh, the more seasoned I get, the easier it is to kind of have lofty goals with diet and nutrition. I know Daniel kind of goes the other route where he's just like, I train all year to really fuck off this time uh, of year, which... Yeah, he kind of said like leading up to WSOP, he'll like go really hard, mm. and then he kind of just like just only focuses on the poker, doesn't really care what he's yeah. doing, and then afterwards he'll get back in right, shape. Yeah. But that's like his intention going in. I'm is- really shocked that he lets himself. I'm not shocked that he like lets himself indulge as far as like caloric consumption goes, whether it's overeating or eating maintenance. I'm surprised that he so actively chooses like low nutritional foods like candy and chocolates and stuff like that i get it from a from a psychological standpoint it's it's comfort food it feels nice especially if you're going to bust 60 events over the course of the summer (laughs) um but from a neurological standpoint i feel like there has to be a drop-off like the best i've ever felt is the summers that i was able to cut prior to the series get in the shape that i wanted to be in and then eat keto throughout the series because it's it for me personally it's my best maintenance diet it la- like it's it's sort of you don't have to eat throughout the day as much either like right. you kind of run one on, meal a day run on that fat oil yeah <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> it's, it's like one meal a day you're eating your maintenance calories pretty easily you're satiated uh you know your protein levels are up but maybe they're not as uh saturated as you'd like them to be if you were either bulking or cutting Mm -hmm. um but you know it's a very small trade-off and by the end of the series you don't lose that much like rarely did i lose much strength rarely did i lose much in the way of aesthetics so you eat keto during the series i try to but like like this year i missed my cut so i won't oh uh because it's it's just too hard it's too hard for me to go from like uh, a previous maintenance diet to now a full-blown ketogenic diet uh, I, I almost have to transition through the cut phase uh, where I'm just accustomed to being really disciplined in my meal prep, in uh, you know consuming a ton of protein, and also just aesthetically, you're a lot more encouraged, I think, to stick to something like this for a period of time that's going to benefit you performance-wise when you can wake up and look in the mirror every day and be really happy with what you see. Yeah. But like having missed my cut, I wake up every day and I'm just like... It's summer and I like I'm fluffy. <laughs> I don't like that. <laughs> you know, so there's still like a little bit of a drive to to at least attempt to cut, although I do think it's a big mistake to be in deficit during the 
during the series. I'm curious to see how Sean's going to perform. Sorry, Conrad. No, no, you're fine. Go on. I was just going to talk some bullshit about how, you know, I think my problem is, you know, I, when I wake up in the morning and look in the mirror, I'm I happy with what I see. <laughs> so, like, there's nothing well, I really have to do. You don't have to do anything. Do. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Like, you're ahead of the curve. What does your, um, like, WSOP day look like in a meal the sense of a meal and a meal yeah like what right. what kind of foods are you eating take us through a day in your nutritional you know whatever's around whatever's around someone has a sandwich on their table you're just take a bite out of phil homie's roast beef sandwich let me get a bite of that what's up to the final table i could imagine that i would get empanadas on the way to yeah, um, empanadas and an iced coffee. <laughs> whatever I said, the Rio to Bally's, like at least. Um, so we're starting bre- breakfast, time. empanadas, yep. maybe an iced coffee. Absolutely, and then I, I can see Conrad being on like day two or day three and just like not eating anything. Like just oh shit, that? it's ten p.m. I forgot. Yeah, no, that happens a lot. It happened a lot last or uh, my first WSOB, mm-hmm. and it was you know whatever. That's why um, actually you know, R.I.P. All American Dave, he <laughs> saves me, man. He, he they honestly saves me a lot. Like I would have never eaten if it wasn't for them delivering <laughs> food to my table. <laughs> I would have never eaten those days if they weren't delivering food to my table. Well, I'll tell you one of the best hacks that I found since they moved to uh, Bally's Paris is just getting a room. So, like, I have a room for starting like May thirtieth. But you have a room. Yeah, I'll. I'll I'll let well, you guys chip in. I would in. like we, uh, to, to keep keys? food in yeah. there or something. Yeah, I'll, I'll let you guys chip in a little bit. Uh, I, no, I just want the key. Yeah, I know what you want. <laughs> yeah. um, I don't want us to chip in. You think this room was cheap? <laughs> yeah. yeah. With this, your is card? Like, this is like getting an RV yeah. behind the, the old Rio, God, you know? Yeah. There's a price How to this. I like, oh, yeah. most of those rooms comp for you. I mean, you're yeah, you get like some big shot down on the strip, Don't you know people? He's trying to take a dime Oh, my God. He's like, yeah, they were comp for me, but I mean, the normal price is like, you know, look. If you want night. me to get two queens instead of a king, it's well, going to cost you. I don't want to sleep there. I just want to keep some food in the mini You'd fridge You'd be surprised. If they you knew how many, many times food? Landon spent the night in the fucking hotel room last year, you would be shocked. I know he did. And then he was mad that Chin was sleeping there, too. <laughs> like, everyone wanted to sleep in the room. And it was only one king. We, we all live in Vegas. It makes no sense. Uh, yeah. I don't think I can tell Michelle. Uh, you know what? I'm just going to sleep down at the Bally's. This, uh, on this Wednesday uh, night. It, it really is great, though. The only thing it's lacking is like something to heat your food. Why don't you just bring a microwave? We have an extra one in the, in the garage. We do. I don't know how they would feel about that, but yeah. Just put it in a suitcase. Sure. What are they going to do? do? Search you? Well, yeah, I don't know. Maybe we'll think about it. Uh, well, I mean, for me, like, I don't <laughs> care. Like, I just had a picture of Berkey walking through, yeah. like, Bally's holding a giant. I, I used to do this when <laughs> I would microwave. travel a lot before, uh, before I quote unquote made it. Uh, I would get this George Porman. I don't even know what to call it, like a hot pot. <clears throat> oh, yes. Uh, and I would take it everywhere I go. I'd oh put it in my God. suitcase and it would fly with it. I remember this. And I would sneak it into days. hotel rooms and it was the best multi-purpose thing on earth. chicken and rice. Literally, rice, chicken I would and make, rice. I would make scrambled eggs in it. I would mm-hmm. make chicken and rice. I would make chili. Like it yeah. just, it, it was, it was all functioning. And it, all it was, was a hot plate uh, at the bottom of, of like a, a two or three quart pot. And you know, you just you just went to town. I would just like show up, make food for the week, stuff it in the fridge, and then just come get some scoops out of it whenever I needed to. Yeah, yeah, this guy was dedicated. I'm telling you, he's just like you know, I've been on it for a long fucking home. time, yeah. man. I used to I used to smuggle because in Horseshoe, Baltimore, they didn't let you bring backpacks or anything. 
Brutal. I would literally stuff Ziploc bags of cooked chicken breasts and hot sauce <laughs> in my cargo shorts. That's dedication. You're just like pulling pieces of chicken <laughs> out of the <laughs> yeah. Remember this Asian, this Asian dude was just like, oh. he was like <laughs> disgusted. Did you day. put it in a bag at least? It was a Ziploc bag. Okay, thank it's just God. Right. It's on it. just... <laughs> I had a fork. I had a fork. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not about the wet meat, man. Yeah, <laughs> it was just cold chicken. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, it warmed I'm, up in my pocket, though. Yeah. <laughs> when I make the when I make the chicken gruel, uh, it, it's much better hot for what it's worth. But you know, I'll bring it and not eat it till dinner break. It's quite cold and it's it's edible. You know, you do what you got to do. Um, is there anything Apparently, else? Apparently, Joey Sal said you can't have anything plugged into the room. Yeah, I that, smuggled okay. in a toaster oven. That's the room service you confiscated it and left me a you note got, saying they got. You got to tip them well. He didn't. Yeah, just he didn't leave tip. a tip. Yeah, yeah. Joey, hide it in the closet. Joey, maybe. stop being fucking cheap, man. Leave a twenty underneath the toaster. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Joey's a red chip right, player, man. You don't, you don't got a twenty to spare. Anything else that you want to touch on before we get out of here? Uh, no, if anyone wants some WSOP resources, I have a pinned tweet at TJ underscore J-U-R-K. I put, I made a WSOP healthier eating guide, all the places you can walk to from Paris and Bally's, like, oh, nice. and, and lower calorie, higher protein stuff you can get from there. I made an in-room workout guide, a PDF that you can order resistance bands, and I put like a workout split together for people, and put out a YouTube video on like, WSOP survival guide in terms of health and how to put a plan together that you're actually going to stick to. And then I put a link to the meal prep company that I partnered with and I have a coupon code and you can order from them on there. So that's all in my pinned tweet. There's four links. Very, very important awesome. resources for a critical time of year for anybody who takes this shit seriously. Really appreciate you coming in. I love nerding out on this stuff. We barely scratched the surface, so we definitely have to do this again sometime. Uh, Melissa, thank you as well bringing your muscle mommy energy, mm -hmm. your high T levels. We appreciate it. Uh, we'll be back what tomorrow. What about me, Brian, and Guapo, bro? Bro, you guys are regulars, man. Yeah, we don't, yeah, we don't yeah, get to thank you every yeah, day, okay? I agree. You I know, agree. tomorrow's Friday. We'll talk about it. Speaking of tomorrow, tomorrow's giveaway Friday, <laughs> oh, it baby. Is giveaway Friday. We will be giving away... Uh, who do we want to do? Let's do Guapo. We're going to be giving away Guapo's... This is Human uh, Trafficking Friday. Yeah, Human Trafficking Friday. We're, we're giving away Guapo. Do you want one Guapo? Uh, we'll be giving away Guapo's partnership in this year's WSOP Tag Team event tomorrow at 8 p.m. 8, 8 p.m. Got to get that right. 8 p.m. 8 PM Pacific. Pacific. Tune in. Be sure to bring your Guapo trivia hat because we're going to be asking you all the tough questions in order to win your way in. Oh. Uh, we'll be giving away more tag team seats every Friday from now on out. And uh, we have a special announcement next week with a summertime, summer long partnership we have that we'll be adding to the giveaways. So stay tuned for that. Thank you guys as always for rocking with us. We'll be back tomorrow, 8 p.m. Pacific. We'll see you then. Later, squad. Peace.